This is Research Software Engineer Stories, coming straight at you from USRSC, the U.S. Research Software Engineer Association. Welcome to RSC Stories. Today I'm joined by Ed Sockield, who's founder of a research software engineering startup called Dreaming Spires. Ed studied at and graduated from Oxford University studying computer science and is now focused on bringing a freelance-driven approach to research software engineering, which is a really neat idea that I'm excited to chat about today. So first, welcome Ed to RSC Stories. Thank you so much for having me. First, tell us a little bit about your background, perhaps what you studied at Oxford and how that has led you to where you are today. So yeah, thank you so much. You're right. I graduated from the University of Oxford with a master's in computer science in 2020. And in that time, I was starting to see the seeds of research software engineering that were being sown throughout the department, even though I wasn't aware that there was a research software engineering society across the UK. Researchers often need research software for many different reasons, but one of them that I kept seeing was that they were wanting to produce software that was reproducible and instilled trust within their research. You know, it's all well and good to release your data and your data processing pipeline and all of that. But if some external auditor or in the peer review process, if somebody is going to come along and look at your research software, then it's got to look the part as well. On large projects, you might need access to automated testing, or you might want to have some sort of good version control, just to name some obvious examples. And a lot of researchers just haven't been taught these basic techniques. And so I was looking for ways that we could perhaps get some interdisciplinary research software engineers going and bringing in freelance talent from across different domains to help tackle specific problems. And it was only once I started to put my toes in the water, so to speak, and get involved in several different research projects that I started to become aware that there was a broader organization, a broader society of RSEs that we could get involved with. So you're in your last year, it's 2020, and obviously COVID is happening. How did the fact that we were, you know, having stay-at-home orders, how did that influence your work or how you worked with others or this plan to create Dreaming Spires? One aspect is that my work before when I was in Oxford was as part of a larger group. A lot of research happens just in those kind of side conversations and coffee chats with people just in the corridor where you exchange ideas. And so one thing that I was really trying to find were ways in which I could continue to stay involved with the system security lab and stay involved with the people that were getting alongside me in the research in such a way that we could touch base regularly and exchange ideas. And so this is one of the things that I've been trying to bring forward into Dreaming Spires. We have regular meetings between the people who are doing the research software engineering. We, we use the matrix chat protocol to chat and make sure that we're exchanging ideas. And so we're trying to foster this really collaborative environment in which we can draw upon everyone's research to bring it to the projects at hand. So to step back a bit, Dreaming Spires, what does that actually mean? Well, you might have heard that Oxford is the city of dreaming spires. If you've never been, I, I recommend that firstly that you go because it's great. And I say this as somebody who grows up and is currently in Cambridgeshire. You know, I have a slight turncoat aspect. But if you were to look online, search for images of Oxfordshire, what you'll see are pictures of these very grandiose buildings, mostly with spires 
the various different university libraries, the various churches around the city, they all bring a very distinctive shape to the skyline. And so I wanted a name that kind of paid homage to our roots in Oxford, but without necessarily tying us to one specific institution, because our aim is to really bring into institutional research software engineering. The name is really beautiful. And because I'm terribly uncultured, I wasn't familiar with it. And even not being familiar with it, it sort of brings up a really nice visualization of what a dreaming spire is. So to just lay it out mm. for some of us, what does it mean that you employ a freelance-driven approach? So yes, Dreaming Spires, what makes us unique is that we do take a freelance-driven approach to software development. The way that our process looks depends a little bit upon the sort of project that we're getting involved with. But in general, when we take on a software development project, it's guided by our in-house software consultants who are full-time members of staff, who have got some sort of background in research software engineering and generally specialize in a field other than computer science. So they'll specialize in say physics and computer science or, or law and computer science so that we can provide some sort of interdisciplinary knowledge essentially when we take on a project. But where traditional research software engineers are quite hard to come by and quite few, and considering just there are so many projects out there for research software engineers to be getting on with, we realized that we needed to be able to scale a bit more than just by taking on only RSEs. And so what we've done is we've opened up the pool of people that we work with in this freelance pool to people who have experience doing software development, perhaps within a research setting, but aren't fully qualified enough to be able to guide the research process and step alongside the researcher providing that computational experience. And so what we have is a situation where on research projects, our consultants will collaborate very closely with the researchers and then where required, where additional computational talent is required, they'll draw from our freelance pool, finding people who are well-equipped and experienced in the different domains that are required in order to push forward the individual projects. I suppose one way of thinking about it is that the consultant, the RSC, is there to provide that support through the entire research narrative, whereas the freelancers are there to take on the small side projects and actually push forward the development of the software where it fits into the larger narrative of the research. It's really interesting that you weren't aware of the more broad RSC community when you created Dreaming Spires, and you naturally identified this problem of needing this kind of research software engineering service. And at the same time, you're also tackling this other problem, you're providing careers for research software engineers. So now that you do know about the larger RSC community, how do you consider Dreaming Spires to be different or similar to these RSC groups? And what would you say is, if any, your relationship with these groups? You're right, the goals of Dreaming Spires do align a lot with the goals of research software engineering groups. And it is interesting that, that we sort of came across this community having started very much grassroots, looking to just support research in the institution that, that I was based in, and I'm trying to find ways to bring good research software engineering practices into it. We align with the goals of the research software engineering community and therefore want to get involved in doing things like being on this podcast and talking with people on the Slack more generally, because our goals are very similar in many ways. For example, we're really interested in pushing forward research software across different domains. We want to see the quality of the software increase so that people can trust the research. 
we want to see the software that's produced to be more sustainable so that the people that are in the research groups building the software feel equipped to be able to bring computational techniques into their research. We want to see open source software be pushed forward in particular as open access in science becomes more important. But for all of those similarities, we do have a couple of differences. One is that we're seeking to provide this more flexible working environment for those seeking to work in a freelance style. And so we don't see ourselves so much in competition with existing RSE groups, but we're looking for ways in which we can bring more people that otherwise wouldn't traditionally fit, say, a traditional RSE role. How we can make use of this broader community of computer scientists out there that want to make an impact in their work and that want a flexible working environment. How do we bring those people into the problems that we face in research software engineering? We approach this whole domain with similar goals, but from a slightly different perspective. How do we bring flexibility and scalability to the process of developing research software? So that's, that's where our focus is. Whereas from the conversations that I've been having with various RSC group leaders around the UK, what their focus very much is in integrating with researchers at their university, providing that tailored experience, the experience that somebody only at the same institution could bring to step alongside a research team, to provide training, to equip them with workshops, and ultimately, yes, to build software. That's something that really only an RSC group at an institution could provide most effectively for that institution. What we're focusing on is projects that perhaps are inter-institutional or helping RSC groups fit the peaks in high demand in their workload. I think that approach is really lovely and there's two reasons. The first is because I think there's a pretty strong kind of stereotype or bias about the kind of work that RSCs do. And the reality is that the definition is much more broad than what we traditionally say. It's not just writing code and running it on an HPC cluster. There's also kind of web development and web interfaces, you know, a lot of front end stuff that really isn't traditional research software engineering. The other reason it's really lovely is because you're totally right that a lot of groups, and this might be more true for the US, are very insular. And it's, it's not that they're choosing to be that way. It's just really hard to collaborate outside of your institution. So you wind up having this little specific group to your institution. And any effort that can get people across institutions working together is just something I really champion. So I'm really glad to hear you say that. Ultimately, I think getting this inter-institutional sharing of RSEs going is going to be very, very important for research software engineering going forward. And fundamentally, I think the way of solving that problem is twofold. One is that RSEs at different universities need to be able to transfer between those institutions in order to provide their expertise more broadly. So, for example, if you have somebody who's very good at working on HPC code and they are needed in a research software engineering group that's been building a lot of web apps recently that has less experience, then there needs to be ways in which these exchanges can take place. And that's not something that Dreaming Spires is looking to facilitate directly, although I would love to see it happen. What we're looking to do is provide like interdisciplinary work by drawing on a wider pool of people that otherwise wouldn't normally be involved in research software engineering, but whose skills can be harnessed in order to bring forward and take forward the goals of the field overall. Are you aiming to have a national or an international reach? Well, one of the cool things about working remotely, which is really the only work that we've been doing so far, 
is that where precisely our developers are based and where precisely the research institutions that we work with are based doesn't really matter. It, it matters in terms of some of the practicalities like taxation and meeting times, but for all other intents and purposes, it doesn't really matter so much. So some of our consultants, for example, one of our consultants lives in Poland at the moment. Even though we're based in the UK, we've been having clients from Boston and from the Max Planck Society in mainland Europe. We are looking to provide essentially research software engineering service to anyone, sort of any institution globally that might make use of our service. Although naturally, because we are based in the UK, the UK is where I know the most people and things like that. So it's where we've started. Oh, that's so cool. What, if any, cultural differences have you noticed when you're working with different groups from very different areas? Oh, that's a good question. Quite honestly, I've never thought about like that before. So one of the cultural differences, I guess I noticed, is people always talk about the differences between the culture in the UK and the US. And working with several different US researchers has shown that, you know, sometimes we end up using different terminology for different things. Oftentimes, there's, this isn't cultural, but, you know, time zone differences is quite weird. You can be talking to somebody just as if they've just experienced an entire day when really they've only just woken up. It takes a bit of a while to get used to those sorts of time zone differences. Although I, I have to be very honest, I'm very fortunate that we're kind of English speaking because, you know, whether it's a good thing or not, English is the language of global research. And so when I'm communicating with people, teams in, in Norway or in France, I don't have to know the native languages, which, you know, it's a bit weird in one sense because it's asymmetric. In some senses, I'd love to be able to speak to people in, in their native languages. But in the other sense, speaking in English is kind of just easier because everyone speaks it. I suppose in that sense, it does highlight some interesting cultural distinctions. Can you tell us about maybe one or two of your recent interesting projects? So one of the interesting projects that we've been working on recently is OpenZooms. It stands for, well, the open stands for open source because it's all open source and open access software. And Zooms refers to a biological technique known as zoological mass spectrometry. The idea being that if you find a zoological sample, for example, in some remains of an animal, perhaps in an archeological setting, there is a way in which you can vaporize that sample and analyze the protein fragments in that vapor in order to determine what species and what taxon the sample refers to. This technique known as zooms is being more and more broadly used across the scientific community by zoologists and biologists and archaeologists. And as a result, it's become more important than ever to be able to give people access to the data that facilitates this research. In particular, once you have a sample from your deceased cow or whatever it is, in order to identify it, you've got to be able to match it against a database of known markers. And this database of known markers needs to be able to store the markers and the protein segments in the context of sort of where those fragments are found, where the geology is likely to have animals of that particular kind and so on. And so we've been designing a system which allows for reproducible data analysis of samples that are found in the wild based upon an aggregation of the existing samples that have been found by the community so far. 
Essentially, we're building a community platform where different research teams in zoological mass spec can upload their samples as they find in the lab and make use of samples that have been found by other research teams in order to perform species identification more broadly. So in the case that you have some kind of sample or you need some kind of HPC resource or another resource that would traditionally be at a university such as lab equipment, have you had any troubles getting a resource when you need it? Or do researchers mostly kind of bring their own? In terms of running the software itself that we're building, it's very important to us that no one person or no one organization claims ownership over the data and over the repository. And as such, any sort of red tape that needs to be cut through in order to access the computing frameworks in various institutions needs to be done multiple times because we're looking to have this hosted not only in Europe, but also on some servers in Harvard and also in various servers in China and Japan where Zoom's analysis is taking place. Thankfully, though, taking on the computational and software development side of this project means that it doesn't really fall down to dreaming spires to spin up all of the servers and run it. What we've got to do is to build the protocols, build these decentralized distributed protocols and create good quality software that's portable and can be run in multiple different environments and then provide good enough documentation and support for the IT teams so that once they've been convinced, the IT teams at each institution can run a mirror of open Zooms for themselves. And so we're viewing this very much as a community project. So it's not necessarily our remit to run the servers. Instead, we're just trying to produce high quality, sustainable software and allow the community to make the best use of it. How does open source fit in with what you do? Open source is absolutely key to what Dreaming Aspires does. We only ever develop open source code. And this is because our vision for the research community is one in which knowledge is shared and is deduplicated and is made the most use of by people globally. And only open source software allows this really open collaborative nature of research to take place. This is reflected not only in the projects that we choose to take on, but it's also reflected in the projects that we are developing internally. For example, a lot of our projects that we've been taking on, like open zooms, are built up upon a system where you have some sort of back-end database that stores some data. You need some sort of data processing pipeline that's based upon the data in that distributed, publicly available database that you can use to identify and analyze the data that you have personally as a researcher, and then use that to produce reproducible output at the end. And so we've been working on a project that so far we've just been calling the web platform in lieu of a better name, which is designed to just do that. It's supposed to be an API-driven web uh, platform, essentially, for developing research-oriented web apps that tie into open APIs for, for the analysis of, well, for the obtaining of data, use open specifications for pipelined analysis for the transformation of that data into some useful research output. And then finally, allows these workflows to be published alongside research papers so that peer review can be made more swift and that future researchers can take the most advantage of the research that came before. And that's only possible within the framework of open source. Amen, open source. Man, I am totally on the same page. I love everything that you just said. <laughs>
So can you tell us what it's like to be an employee of your company? And you can kind of talk about life, which you've talked about a little bit in terms of having flexible working hours. What about sort of some of the harder things like benefits, health insurance? So Dreaming Spires is, as far as things go, at least as compared to traditional educational institutions, we are a very new organization. We've been getting involved in many different projects and have been growing quickly, but we still only started last September. And so in terms of kind of long-term contracts and providing employee benefits and things like that, we're still, you know, finding our feet. We're still trying to work out what our best market fit is, how we can be the most used to the community overall, and how we can do so in a way that really supports the developers that are seeking to work with us. I guess to be a little more specific, we have the contracts with our freelancers depend based on the projects that they're being assigned to. Either they are deliverable based, where we agree um, on a project specification, making sure that they're not subject to the dreaded feature creep as they go along. And then we provide guidance to help them to deliver the project to time according to the requirements that we've set out and, and, we'll, and they'll get paid for the deliverables according to those requirements at the end. In other situations, though, where we try and integrate with research teams or research organizations to provide ongoing computational support, then the way that we do things is instead by essentially just charging a day rate for the services of the consultants or the freelancers in question. And so then they get paid in this essentially more sustainable way. And so for the people that like working in a freelance style who are willing to just take on bits of work on odd days, on the weekends when it becomes available, then the freelance side works really well. And, you know, most research software engineers, it wouldn't work for them. And that's fine because our freelancers, we're looking to draw in people from outside traditional research software engineering in order to empower research software engineering with their talents. But on the flip side, for the people that are deeply integrating with the research, they are treated essentially much more as full-time employees in terms of payment. But whichever role somebody takes in within Dreaming Spires, we're trying to foster a really good culture within our organization. We're trying to bring all of the great things that you'll find at hackathons about code collaboration and contribution, regular chat and fun socials. We try and bring all of those together in order to foster a good environment in which we can write good open source code that's ethically minded and empowers the community. So when you consider your current challenges and hopes, when you kind of look ahead to the next five or 10 years, what's your vision for Dreaming Spires? Oh, that's such a good question. Our medium to long-term vision over the next few years is to find ways in which we can help research software engineering groups as well as traditional sort of research institutions. So one of the things we're trying to do at the moment is find out whether we can integrate our freelancers in with RSE groups to help them deal with peaks in the demand for their work. Because, you know, oftentimes research projects don't come through in a nice consistent stage by stage way. Oftentimes you'll have no projects and then suddenly you'll have 100 projects and you need to bring in extra people. And so one of our visions is to see whether like access to our freelance pool can help traditional research software engineering groups deal with that scalability problem. See if there's a way in which we can we can do that. And, you know, being new to the community, still trying to find our way around, still trying to be of, of most help as possible. It's all quite new to us. And so we're trying to find ways in which we can collaborate in this way. It would be really cool if in a few years time I could look back and I could look 
at a portfolio of projects that we've been able to achieve, a portfolio of open source projects that we've been able to either found ourselves or open libraries that we've been able to contribute meaningful patches towards. It would be truly wonderful if I could look back and see the state of research software had been improved through our efforts and the state of open source projects out there had also been improved in small or large ways through the efforts that we're going to be putting in. I definitely think that you'll be successful. I guess my intuition is that when you kind of look out there at research software engineering work, there tend to be silos. So universities have ROC groups and those are silos. And like we talked about earlier, it's really hard for those to kind of work together. But Dreaming Spires is either like a clearinghouse or a network where it's sort of breaking those apart. And it's really trying to understand like, okay, what are all the, the needs out there of the researchers? And what about these non-traditional RSEs? And then we can find both of those groups and put them together. It's going to be really exciting to see how your client base grows over the years and how you get more people talking and working together. Yeah, ultimately, ultimately research is a collaborative exercise, right? And so if we're looking to help out research, then we've also got to take that same collaborative approach. And so fostering interdisciplinary work between different organizations, that's going to be an important aspect, as, as you say. And I would really like, as I said before, to be able to look back and see that we've been able to make a real positive difference in the communities that we've been getting involved in, in, say, a couple of years time. Is there any aspect of working in a startup that makes you miss the academic lifestyle? Yes, I suppose there, there is. One aspect that's very different in terms of startup work is that the research topics that we get to get involved in, at least for now, are, are not necessarily by our own choosing. We have to take on the projects as people require our services. That's good in lots of respects. It's good in that it keeps us on our toes. It means that we have to be constantly looking for people who specialize in new domains in order to help really bring value into the research projects that we're dealing with. It means that our existing staff, our consultants and our freelancers both get to grow in terms of their skill sets as we take on new projects. But on the other hand, there's also something to be said for that sort of academic world where you have an idea for some research that you personally want to achieve and that you dedicate hours to studying and collaborating with people over and within until you really achieve some awesome and tangible results. That kind of being able to take on your own projects and see them fly is something that, that is less, especially in the early stages of the startup. But that said, one of the things that I'm looking to do as we grow and as we start being able to pay for our own developers to work on internal projects is to have meetings in which our developers can propose interesting research directions that we could take on as an organization. I mentioned wanting to build our web platform for supporting research. You know, that's going to be essentially in and of itself an, an internal research project. And so I do hope that Dreaming Spires not only becomes a platform through which other people's research can be accelerated, but also a community in which computational research itself can also be advanced for the sake of the research software community overall. Okay, so we're coming up on time. I have just a few more questions. In the next five or 10 years, how do you hope to personally grow? One of the things that I really learned coming out of my experience at Oxford is that I really do love the world of research and pushing forward cutting edge techniques and pushing forward the frontiers of knowledge. 
I know it sounds cliche, but really that is that is what research is. But at the same time, I am kind of a systems guy, fundamentally. I like programming things. I like building a thing and watching it work. And in research, oftentimes, if you're doing just pure research, there isn't too much of building a thing and getting it work because oftentimes you're looking to build, say, a functioning prototype or you're looking to get your code working just enough so that you can prove the concept of the idea and release the paper or whatever. And so it's not quite an answer to your question directly, but I don't want to lose the ideas and the system of forming ideas and exploring them that I've learned from my academic roots. I guess on the flip side, I'd love to be able to grow in terms of being able to take those ideas and bring them to fruition. It's different for client projects, obviously, but I just have kind of a big old list of probably well over 50 different personal fun projects that I would like to pick up and continue with at some point, but have just fallen by the wayside because I've gotten excited in new things. I would love to be able to be in a situation where I can continue to come up with these sorts of ideas as I would within an academic environment, but also learn how to focus on the projects personal to me so that I can see them succeed, even as we do for, for the client projects and as we grow as a business. I think I kind of hear what you're saying is that you want to, in the future, be able to make time for yourself, not sort of like to go for runs and stuff, but to be able to take that list of projects that you would find intellectually fulfilling and to figure out a way to, while you have a full-time job, to still be able to tackle them. Exactly. And I guess thinking about that, another thing that is very important to me is staying established in a diverse set of communities. Being involved in a startup can be kind of consuming in some senses. And so it's important not to let other commitments and other things that I enjoy fall by the wayside. While I was at university, I really enjoyed getting involved in the Christian union and the church that I was involved with. And it's kind of hard in some senses because now in a pandemic world, we can't necessarily meet up as a community anymore. It's definitely very important to me that I continue to grow and stay involved in communities like that going forward and not to let just the busyness of things take over from what really matters. Perfect transition to my next question. When you aren't working, what do you like to do? As I might have suggested from my million side projects that I have completed some of, but still have many more to go, I am interested in a wide variety of different things. I'm interested in tea appreciation. So I have a little collection on my desk right now of 43 different kinds of loose leaf tea, ranging from white tea, which is kind of a tea that's essentially just been picked off the plant and dried, all the way through to kind of green tea, oolong tea, black tea. I just find tea to be a really interesting topic because on the one hand, it's simple. It's just leaves and water, right? But on the other hand, it's also complex. Depending on how you process the tea leaf, you get so many different results. Let me not run down the tea rabbit hole anymore. I'm also interested in thinking through big questions in terms of philosophy. I spend a lot of time thinking about religion. I've been helping to lead Bible studies at my church for a while, which has been really intellectually stimulating and very fun. I love electronics projects. I've been building an internet connected tea machine, which kind of draws in my love of tea and my love of electronics into the same thing. I also like music. I produce electronic music on the side. I guess a bunch of things. Maybe I ought to narrow down my hobbies a little bit more, but those are some of the things that I enjoy. Well, Ed, it has been so fun chatting with you. I really love how you saw a problem and you took initiative and you started Dreaming Spires. 
didn't matter that we were going through a global pandemic, you just attacked it directly. And I'm really excited to see how it grows and really creates this lovely collaborative space for research software engineering. So thank you for being on RSC Stories today. Wonderful. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed this as well. I look forward to meeting more of you in the community. Perhaps if you're listening, feel free to reach out to me to have a chat if you're interested. I'll continue to be on the Slack and just enjoying doing some research and drinking some tea on the side. That sounds like the perfect plan. <laughs> Thanks, Ed. Mm-hmm.